Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Developing Developers. Last month was the start of a new series called Digging Deeper, where we will go deeper into the development process and focus on some more specific ideas. If you didn't get a chance to listen to Logan Dawson's episode on site selection, you should definitely take a listen. As I was thinking about some of the more specific details of development to dig into, one of the most important topics I could think of was the due diligence process. We could probably talk about due diligence for hours because there is just that much to it, but don't worry, I won't do that to you. Today, I have my colleague, Gavin Jones, with me, who is a senior development manager at Tembi Partners, a real estate investment and development firm here in Columbus. I started with Tembi Partners officially in January of this year, and Gavin also recently made a transition into the development side of things, which we'll talk more about today. So Gavin, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me, Allie. Of course. Um, I'm very excited for this episode just because we get to work together every day. Now I get to ask you more about what you do. Um, so let's start with some of your experience with project management and kind of how you got into the role you're in today with Tembi Partners. Sure. So going way back, I've got about 10 years of experience in architecture. I went to school for architecture and did that, worked at a couple firms. Um, from one of those firms, I transitioned into project management um, designing and building restaurants. It was a client of ours, found an opportunity to to break into that. And a great experience, different level, different scale of development, but um, project management nonetheless. Um, I got to a point where I needed something bigger, and so I transitioned into commercial real estate with Colliers. Was there as a third-party project management manager for a couple of years, and then now transitioned over to development, building buildings, ground up, and it's been great. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I think your background in architecture definitely helps in this process because you you understand that side of things and that's sort of your next step in the development process. Um, once you complete due diligence is the building design side of things in architecture. So you kind of understand all that you need to get there, which I think is very helpful. Um, so what is your role specifically now in the development process um, from start to finish? I know you have a ton of different roles, but what would you describe your role as? I do um, take some sort of ownership from start to finish from the time that we are in the due diligence period until we are wrapping up the project with the punch list and getting tenants in there. Um, but for the most part, I would say that I'm planning and pre-construction and included within that is the due diligence period. Um, everything from due diligence, from working with architects and engineers, coordinating those drawings, getting them in for permitting, for zoning, um, getting it teed up ready for construction. Once construction starts, I'm just overseeing it for the owners. Um, but most of my lift is before that. Okay. So we're going to dive a little bit more into some of what you just mentioned. Um, but specifically with due diligence, that can be a broad term and include vastly different processes depending on the line of work that you're talking about it in relation to. Um, so in relation to real estate development, how would you describe due diligence at a high level? Hmm. Um, at a high level, I think it's uh, it's similar to what you might experience if you're buying a house and you're in contract. Uh, it's that period of time where you go into contract saying that you're interested in purchasing the land or the development that's already in place. You and I were experiencing ground up, but a lot of developers are buying existing buildings too, which just adds some complexity to it. Um, but for the most part, you are saying we're interested and then and and examining 
um, informing yourself on the on the land, what challenges you might have, basically what risks are involved if you move forward with officially purchasing it and and being stuck with it. I almost see it as like a dating process. Like you're deciding if you want to marry, you know, that <laughs> I thought about site. that last night when yeah. I was thinking about this interview, I was thinking about like the dating and then the engagement yeah. is like sort of like once you've bought it, mm-hmm. you start designing it, you start working on the merit planning, the wedding, yeah. and then construction is probably your entire marriage. Uh-huh. Yeah, stressful. <laughs> that just doesn't end. <laughs> no. But I do think it's like you're determining if this is something that you want to buy and keep and build. Yes. Even if it's as perfect as you think it could be, mm-hmm. there's still risks that you have to assess and make sure that you're willing to deal with those risks and that they, will, they won't screw up your investment. Yeah, absolutely. Because there, there are a lot of risks there. And so let's walk through the due diligence process since it is so vague. There, I know there are specific sort of steps and I know it's different with each property and each site. Um, but where... Does the due diligence process start? Um, is it before the purchase of the land? Is it immediately upon purchase? When does that start in the process? It starts at the purchase and sale agreement. So before you actually purchase it, when you go into contract for that land, uh, again, re- referencing what we've all gone, a lot of us have gone mm-hmm. through with buying a house. Um, once you say you're interested, you sign that agreement that says you're interested. I don't have much experience with it, but I think that's when there's a price involved with buying it at that point. Um, you're given a time period to do that due diligence by the seller. Usually it's 30 to 60 days. You could negotiate 45 days. You can negotiate more or an extension. Uh, but you have all of that time to do due diligence before you say, okay, we're in, and then you buy it. Awesome. And I know there's a million things that you have to do, but mm-hmm. off the top of your head, <laughs> could you <laughs> kind of run me through what all you need to do in that time sure, frame? Sure, To name a few. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> There's a lot of title work involved. I'm not involved in that as much, but that's a big part of it, making sure that you're turning up um, the history of the pro- of the property, easements that exist, liens that may have been on it or that are on it, um, any sort of hardships you might have to work around. Um, you want to dive into utilities and see what your utility availability is. You, um, you want to do your environmental studies. Your phase one environmental is the biggest. See if that turns up clean and make sure you don't then have to go to a phase two because of a gas station that used to be there, some sort of waste that used to be there. And when you say phase one and phase two, what does that entail? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so the fa- <laughs> phase one is a full-on report where they – most of it's desktop. They pull up the, – the environmental company pulls up a uh, all of the historical – Aerials done, all the okay. property search done, um, what might have been there at one time as far as structures go. Um, they go out there. They just sort of visually check it. That's when they also say there might be wetlands, and then you have to get into a wetlands assessment. Um, they do a, a, a brief look. You might get something on soils. No matter what, you're going to do a soils report to see how your soils are and how complex it's going to be to build on those soils. That's a whole other report. Sometimes that happens during due diligence. Sometimes that happens afterwards if you don't know what you're building on the site at that time. Um, The phase two would be the follow-up report that really dives into the hazardous type use that may have been there beforehand. You don't want to get into that. We as as 10B partners haven't yet had to deal with that, but um, certainly a lot of people do and it's messy. So that's sort of if the phase one... Does not come back clean, so to speak. Okay, okay. 
All right. That um, makes a lot more sense. So yeah. so we're at phase one, possibly phase two, and then... Um, sometimes you have to do a phase one archaeological, which is similar to the phase one environmental, but you're looking for um, historic things that used to be there, burial sites, historic uses of the site. Um, similar, but more, I guess, man-made, man-placed sort of. We haven't had to deal with that too much either. Um, there's the wetlands, as I mentioned. If you've got wetlands, you have to work through either avoiding those or mitigating them if you're going to build on them. And that is a long and tedious process. So something you should be aware of before you um, finalize the purchase. Um, and then there's the the, the design. There's um, confirming your um, zoning compliance for what the development is currently being used for or what you plan on using it for. You want to make sure that you're going to be able to get it zoned or it is zoned for what you want to use it for. Um, and then there's what I call site capacity studies. You, We engage our civil engineer or our architect or both to lay out sites and make sure that what we plan on doing is going to work and return that investment. Again, if we can't get a big enough building on there, the site's not right for us. Yeah, and when you um, talk about zoning, I know you've had a lot of experience. That the, comes from the architecture the last, background. Yeah, because you sort of have an understanding for what will work in that. Mm -hmm. And well, and I know that some of it is already zoned properly, and you can almost uh, look for that when you're searching for sites to build on is the zoning. But if something isn't zoned as you want it to be zoned, what's the process of rezoning? Rezoning is challenging, and you want to try to avoid it. Um, Jurisdictionally, some are some areas are easier to work through than others, but for the most part, you've um, you've got to work with a a, a development group, a, a zoning group within the city, um, to make sure that they can staff people to make sure they support the rezone, and then they help you fight it through the rest of city. Um, if it is a rezone, it has to go through city council once, twice, three times for for readings. City council has to most of the time. Um, put their stamp of approval on that to finalize it. Uh, and that can be months and months in the working. You have to, let's say, go to three, four, five hearings once a month, maybe once every two weeks, but um, that can take some time. And that's best case scenario if everybody's on board with it immediately. Mm -hmm. You might have to fight for that rezone. Yeah. You and, don't always win. And especially from the developer's side of things, you're, you want to do what's in the best interest of the community and of development in general. But sometimes those are conflicting ideas, so I'm sure that can be difficult too. Um, but what would be uh, the developer's role kind of in this process as far as you you on the project management side are involved directly with like civil engineer architect and the people who are making these decisions and doing these tests and uh, where does the developer fit in that? Um. Am I the developer in that scenario? The developer representative no, or like who that. I represent? Yeah, who you represent. Um, well, while this is all going on, they're working through financials. They're working with banks. They're working internally to determine if this investment is going to be a good one. I'm helping to provide um, sort of backup to that, whether it is or isn't going to work. A lot of what I'm doing then lends itself towards budgeting for the project which then the developer takes that budget. They work with the banks. They work through their own pro forma, which I always screw up, um, <laughs> and then just make sure that it's right for them. Mm -hmm. So you're kind of the bearer of good or bad news. <laughs> <laughs> well, so often bad news, yeah, it's <laughs> but yes, that's accurate. But they, they need you to 
to be aware of those things, which is right. the whole point of doing You don't want to try to tiptoe around something. Right. Be very straightforward with who you're who you're digging into this for mm-hmm. because um, those facts are very, very important. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So what are the differences in the process leading up to buying a site versus once the site is purchased versus once the construction has begun? So you kind of talked about we evaluate a site and then we decide if we want to purchase it or not. And then that's kind of when due diligence starts. Um, What is the difference in the steps that you take in those three different processes? Hmm. Um, Like most things in life, the lines drawn between those steps are blurred. Mm -hmm. Um, But for the most part, again, due diligence, that first phase of it before you actually purchase it, that is just digging into everything and anything you can find on the site. Um, as well as making sure that site can conform to what you want to do with it. Once you purchase it, then you're off to the races with fully designing and engineering the site, working through any sort of planning commissions or local um, area commissions there might be, because a lot of times what you're, the physical design that you are putting on that site needs to be approved visually and code-wise by the local jurisdictions. Once that happens, then you do the full-on permitting with engineers, civil engineers, structural engineers, mechanical, electrical, plumbing, the architect, and the architect is sort of the sub-quarterback of all of those groups. Um, Work through all the full engineering that gives you those blueprints, so to speak. They're not blueprints anymore, but (laughs) blueprints to submit for permit and then start building off of. That would be phase two. And then uh, after all that is said and done, for me, the easy part comes and it's building the building. Mm-hmm. Um, if I said that face-to-face with a general contractor, <laughs> he'd slap me. But um, after that, I personally just sort of uh, am involved with weekly meetings from the owner's side. And I just check in and make sure it's going smooth and make sure the GC doesn't need us for anything. Um, helping with utilities or signing something or approving change orders. But for the most part, we just let the GC at that point work their magic and get the thing built. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot to those. And it, almost if someone's listening and didn't know anything about it, they might be like, all right, it's simple. We just follow these steps, which is how I like to think of things. But seeing you involved in it in the day to day, it is so much back and forth. And there's a million other projects that you're on a different step with. So I'm sure it's hard to keep it all in line, which you do a great job of. Thank um, you. Let, let me put this out there. Uh-huh. Um, it only takes one little Mm-hmm. speed bump or curveball or whatever you want to call it to screw up all of those yeah. phases and all of those steps. So yeah. you have to navigate those waters and you have to be able to react. You have to have your team be able to react quickly mm-hmm. and efficiently. Yeah, absolutely. And that uh, leads into my next question. What are some common challenges or setbacks that you face in the due diligence process? What's something that you almost could expect to go wrong and you need to uh, decide your options beforehand? Um, and what is that next step when something does go wrong? How do you decide when to just back out or when to move forward? That's a great question. <laughs> everything. Expect everything to go wrong. <laughs> it's got uh, low expectations and you'll don't never be Don't expect it to go smoothly. Um, budgeting is always like a topic of conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, everything adds up to a total cost that especially now in the in the economic climate we're in, uh, mm-hmm. proves to be very challenging. That's when you work through your value engineering. We're always ready to work through what's called value engineering. That's taking the construction costs that you have right now based on the design that you have right now, the engineering that you have right now, 
and trying to come up with areas to save money to make the budget work better for you and make the investment a smarter investment. Um, all of those due diligence reports, you always have to be ready for them to find something. The wetlands is one we come across a lot because it takes very little for there to be a defined wetland on the site. Um, soils is always a challenge. Um, there's always a solution to that. Um, you, if you have wet soils, you just you um, you remedy that by reinforcing your or stabilizing your soil by um, reinforcing the concrete slab or the footings that are going on there. I mean, but then that adds cost, which affects your budget. And then you're right back to the first one, which was the budget. Um, and I'd say in today's climate two schedule, we haven't talked about scheduling, but um, during due diligence, you want to set up that preliminary schedule from start to finish to make sure that you're going to get this building when you want it or need it. Mm -hmm. Because as things drag out, that adds cost, which takes away from your, um, your return on investment and, mm -hmm. Um, can also screw things up for you. Yeah, because in the midst of doing the due diligence and doing all the site work, you're also trying to pre-lease the building or try trying to um, manage like tenant move-in dates and um, construction, you know, like superintendents and what, how long they're going to be there and trying to estimate all of these other things that are dependent on if the building gets done on time or if the materials come in and if the site is ultimately buildable. Right. On. I love that you brought up leasing because we deal with that. We do a lot of speculative buildings, mm -hmm. which for everybody out there who doesn't know what that is, you just build the shell, the walls, the roof, and then you um, allow tenants to come in and build out their own spaces, whether it's one or it's four. Um, so we, for the most part, have built speculatively. Um, alternate to that is the um, the build to suit when you have a tenant already in line and you're building the building for them, which itself brings so much more, so many more challenges because you're adding in a huge amount of scope that is related to the tenant's work. Mm -hmm. um, but to get back to leasing, after you buy, that would be an after you buy the land, you start marketing it and you start trying to lease it. But you are, to your point, telling those potential tenants, we will have the building done at X date. And so if that doesn't happen, whole nother wa waterfall of trying to adjust because most likely if you've solidified a lease, you're telling them this is when it's going to be done. And if something happens where it's not, you've got to answer some questions and figure out some solutions. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a lot of risk involved mm -hmm. there. Um, but probably a, a little, that's where I'm sure a lot of developers have fun is in figuring out what has worked, what doesn't work. And it's interesting all the time and it's exciting all the time. And you always have to problem solve, which I think is a big characteristic. Um, if you are trying to be a developer, you want to be a problem solver and figure out, like you said, just where where can we go when something goes wrong? Do we have backup plans? Do we have other solutions? So, right. Okay, awesome. I think we've covered a lot of due diligence items. Are there any other key items in the due diligence process that either a civil or an architect, we've talked both about them, are not involved? Is there anybody else involved in that process that you want, that a developer should be aware of? Um, I, I guess I didn't mention a survey, and a survey is hugely important. I should have mentioned that. Um, a lot of times that is a, a civil engineer or, or just a surveying company, but as you're going through due diligence, if the current seller doesn't have a current survey, you need to make sure that you have a survey done of the land. The bank is going to want that. You're going to want that. And what a survey does, more specifically an Alta survey, is determine the boundaries of the property 
determine where the right of way is along the street. Um, uh, very importantly, easements that are running along or through your property, utility easements like electric, gas, or water, um, defines constraints for you to build your building around, mm-hmm. in or around. So with easements, that's something that took me a while to understand how that works. And I know that is moving something into your onto your site. So moving a, um, right? Sort of. You can move an easement. The easement itself is an area of land and a, a clearance, I guess, within mm-hmm. that allows somebody to work on your property. So okay. an electric easement is an easement is put in place for electrical lines that gives a, a certain area on both sides of those electrical lines, 10 feet, 20 feet, 30 feet, whatever, that then allows the electrical company um, to come in there and work in that area anytime forever until that easement's removed if it's, if it's ever removed. So it's that area of land that defines an area that allows someone else to come in and work and and install things like the electric lines, okay. gas, water, and all that. So you can relocate easements. That's a I'm working through that right now. It's a tricky process because you have to get the utility company or whoever might have that easement, usually it's utility companies, to agree to relocate it, probably pay them to relocate it, which is all new materials and time, and mm-hmm. um, and then find a place for it that works better for you on your site. And, you know, you want to use all the land that you can. But if an easement is in a in the middle of the site, you want to try to get it to the, to the end of the site. Okay. And you can't always move it. So that might be a reason to say, no, this isn't going to work for mm-hmm. us. Yeah, and because it costs money. and Yeah. You have huge distribution lines, electrical distribution lines running through the middle of your site that are feeding cities or a city or I don't know. You're not going to move those. Mm-hmm. And if it's right there in the middle and you can't build a building there, then it doesn't make sense. Yeah. You would know if that was an issue very quickly when you went out there and you saw something okay. massive like that. Mm-hmm. Thank you for clarifying yeah, no that. Problem. Um, that's, I think there's a lot of probably terms and words that you hear, hopefully, um, listening to this, people have gained more knowledge about those terms, but I think it's easy to brush over those types of things and not push back and ask like, what is an easement or what is a phase one or so, um, it's things that I constantly am looking up when in a meeting and someone says a word that I don't know, that's what I'm doing. Yeah. So that'd be my advice for other people listening here. But what advice do you have for the developing developers of the world? I'm glad you asked. (laughs) I've prepared something because I thought that was coming. Wow. This is legit stuff, guys. He's pulling out a piece of paper. My advice would be to do your due diligence. Do your due diligence in life. In development, you are given a due diligence period to investigate, become informed, and work through your findings to determine if what you are pursuing is a good investment. But in life, you're not given that time. You have to make it. So always make that time and dedicate yourself to determining if the next move is the right move. There's no rush. Also stay in school. Mic drop. <laughs> that, that was, I knew you would love that. <laughs> yes. You're a writer and a development manager That's and it. you're just a jack of all trades. <laughs> I'm moonlight. That was beautiful. That Thank was beautiful. Um, so Speaking of writing, <laughs> a little fun fact about Gavin is oh, that um, he used to have a burger blog, which he didn't know I was going to bring up. But can you tell me a little bit of the backstory there and where that came from? I just I just want people to know this about you. And then also, what else do you like to do outside of work? 
Uh, yeah, everybody found out about this a while ago, and I never, <laughs> I, I don't hear the end of it at the office. Um, it was just post college when you're you're starting off in in your profession, but you're also trying to have a little bit of fun on the side. And uh, I love burgers. I love burgers with a good beer. So I decided, while blogging was still hot, um, to start driving around Columbus once a week and hitting up a new burger spot and blogging about it. So. I think it's still out there. I think you could still find some of the postings. Uh, everyone's got to go find them. What's it called? <laughs> the Columbus Burger Blog. <laughs> Very original. <laughs> Columbus Burger Blog. You know, I think you could start making TikToks about burgers. And Someone you, would have to show me how to TikTok. You, <laughs> <laughs> you would be famous for sure. Okay. There you go. Okay. Um, but what else? I know you have kids. I wife. have kids. So my, my hobbies in life are playing with my kids, mm-hmm. keeping up with the kids. They've just gotten into sports. Um, so it's all about the kids, which is fun. Um, beyond that, I don't have much of a pastime, but, uh, <laughs> they keep us busy. We've, we like to travel around. We like to spend some time up on Lake Erie and, mm-hmm. um, get away when we can. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking us through the due diligence process. Thanks for having me. And I for that, it. those wise, wise words. Oh. Of advice. I hope you recorded this. <laughs> um, hopefully you all learned a little bit more about due diligence. Thanks, Gavin. No problem.